Hello, hello, and welcome. Have you ever asked yourself why, despite great HR, diversity, and inclusion practices, workplaces still pretty much look the same? And especially, senior management positions are not very diverse? Or have you ever wondered how unconscious biases are dampening the spirit of diversity? If you've asked yourself these questions, then hang in there because Advita Patel has got some key insights to share with us here today. If this is your first time around, welcome to Meet My Potential Podcast, where we talk to leaders from around the world to inspire and ignite your potential. This is your host, Deepa Natarajan, that in girl who lives in Toulouse in France. Advita Patel is the co-founder of A Leader Like Me, a great global platform that helps women of color progress further into leadership roles. Fantastic, right? I wish that existed 10 years ago, especially when I needed it. Maybe <laughs> you wish that too. She is a specialist in internal communications and a chartered public relationships practitioner. In 2018, the Northern Power Women movement named her as one of their future leaders. So let's welcome Advita. Hello and welcome Advita Patel to the show. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you Deepa. Thank you for inviting me along. I'm excited. I know, I know. It's really nice to have you on the podcast. Two of us, both of us of Indian origin. Well, of course, you have been brought up in UK and I just moved to France about 10 years ago. And we're going to talk about unconscious biases around women of color. What an interesting topic. I know. Yes. Very exciting and very interesting as well. Before we jump into what is what are some of the unconscious biases around women of color, like, can you tell us a little bit, like, what do you mean by unconscious bias? So one thing to remember and know about unconscious bias is that everybody has it. So, you know, human beings, we're all we all have unconscious biases. Right. And to say that you don't, you, you're kind of kidding yourself. And it's the basically learned stereotypes that are automatic, unintentional, they're ingrained within our beliefs, uh, and they affect our behavior. And that's, it's just the way you've been brought up, or the way or something may have happened to you in the past that kind of gives you that uh, unconsciousness. And the reason they call it an unconscious bias is because you generally don't know that that's what you're doing. So, you know, a classic example is if, the, if um, let's say that if your car breaks down on, on the highway or on the motorway, uh, as we call it in the UK, you're more likely to flag down a man uh, as a woman. If you, you know, if you if you if you're a woman who's um, or even a man, to be honest, you know, you're more likely to flag down a man because uh, you you you've got this belief that there'll be a man who'll know more about the cars and not the woman, and that's your kind of unconscious bias. And it can seem a bit innocent at times, but I think the problems really occur is when you're in the workplace. You know, I suppose that's what this podcast is about today about unconscious bias affecting women who are underrepresented. So, you know, women of colour, black, Asian, uh, and ethnic minority women. Right. And when you say unconscious biases, like sometimes we don't even know about it. Like we're not aware. It's on our unconscious. And that's why yeah. we don't know. So which means that a lot of times what you're saying is that we just let it happen. We just let it slip by us. Yes. Yeah. Because we don't know. We don't know that it is unconscious bias. You think you are being fair and open and honest, but deep down, you're not, you know, so if you, if you, you may have perceptions about somebody who's got a, like, you know, an armful of tattoos and think that they obviously can't be a chief executive or a director, 
no way can they? There must be a manual laborer or there must be, you know, somebody who works on, on the factory floor or, or whatever. And, it, and it's those kind of biases that can really impact the way you think about somebody. Uh, and you don't know you're doing it. Right. Can you give an example of what kind of unconscious biases, especially of women of color, that you've kind of seen it that exist in the workplace and that actually impact people? So there's different types of unconscious biases that I think women of color in particularly struggle, you know, are impacted by, sorry. So things like people talk about infinity bias. So that's where you have a tendency to warm up to people who look like you. So, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, there's a reason why there are more Johns in the FTSE 500 chief executive positions than there are women. Uh, and even, you know, there's hardly any women of color in, in those positions. But there's a reason why that, that that's the case, right? There's a reason why there are so many Johns, white men in, in, in those kind of positions, because that infinity bias means that you attract yourself, you know, you're attracted to people who look like you, who speak like you, who have the same background as you. You've also got the kind of halo effect where you have a tendency to think that everything is really good about somebody because they because you like them. Uh And that happens a lot. So if you spend a lot of time on the golf course with somebody or you play Monday night football with them or you go for social drinking, you know, to the pub or to the bar, you kind of build a relationship. Right. And it's those connections that matter. And the the perception that some individuals have about women and women of color is that they can't do that or, you know, they're not given the opportunity to be there on the golfing course. I mean, I don't know about you, Deepa, but I don't know that many women who play golf. I just don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I know that I know that in my previous job, I was once in US and uh, we had a team workshop, a team building day, and we were out to play golf. And so for me, it was kind of, I was curious about golf. So of course it wasn't the most fun and eventful day for me. But at the same time, just got along and just was there because that's the dumb thing. But if you'd ask me, like, is that your way of having a team building? Is that your way of building relationships? My answer would have been absolutely no. And I recently did a workshop for an Italian company. And I remember it was about two years ago. It was during the World World Cup. And the senior execs, they wanted the evening before to not have the workshop, which was initially planned, and actually watch the football match. I was thinking to myself, like, is this really what you want to do? And when they said yes, and I said, okay, well, I kind of don't have a choice here. But then the women who were also part of the workshop decided not to attend and not to watch the football match along with the men. And so the next day I stopped the workshop and we spoke about only this. We said, we're not going to run the normal workshop. We're going to debrief. We're going to talk about how women were excluded and how this was not really a process of integration and building a team. And that became actually a great piece of um, event for us to actually work on the actual topic of building that executive team. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people don't... This is a problem that they don't think there was any, you know, deep down, they, they probably didn't, well, not deep down, but they just probably didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Like, we want to watch a football match. What's a big deal? Like, it's, you know, you either watch it, you don't watch it. And obviously there are women who love football. We're not saying that there, there, there are not, but you need to be very conscious of the people that you're surrounded with. 
you know, I always say to leaders that I work with, like, look around, look around the people that you speak to on a daily basis and the people who surround you uh, on, on, on a daily basis. You know, do, who, what does it look like? What do they sound like? Who, who, what are they saying? And be really conscious about that because you 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 will be surprised when you open your eyes that everyone is like a mirror image of you practically at times um, <laughs> because people don't like people don't like anyone you know as humans we we always kind of connect with people who we who we get along with right we like that we like the fact that we can go with our friends to to play golf or you know or to go play tennis or you know whatever our kind of preference is but you do need to surround yourself with people who can like you did with that group of, of individuals and, and address it and say, actually, are you, you know, are we being a bit biased here by doing our away day on a golf course and, and not really thinking about other people who, who may not be interested or may not or could not play? And it's not only about, you know, women, you know, looking at disabilities, you're looking at other kind of unrepresented groups as well, right? Which is why change doesn't really happen at that level. Absolutely right. Like you can have HR policies which have inclusivity and diversity in it, but if that inclusivity is not there in every single action and in the way you think, then we're not really building inclusive cultures in the workplace. So the question really goes back to our cognitive ways of the way we think uh, because we're attracted to people like us yeah like you and I got along so quickly like immediately Mm. you know you move around the table like oh I think she'll understand me she's also Asian you know so she (laughs) might know like there's this unconscious thing like you know you might know what it is to be raised in an Indian family and we have this unconscious thing but maybe your family upbringing was completely different from mine but I have this unconscious bias automatically that Advita is going to understand me and my background and why I'm functioning the way I'm functioning. Yeah. Whereas I may not have that unconscious bias if I was working with someone else, I'd immediately go like, I don't think you know me. So these things are there both ways. Like, you know, yeah. uh, it's both ways. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of challenges do you see that women, especially, because I'm sure men of color also face the same issue, but here we're specifically talking about women. So what kind of challenges do you think women face in the workplace? I think you know the challenge is is that it's breaking that barrier in in getting recognised for what you do and not being judged on your appearance or the way you speak or the way you look or you know and it's really hard when you when you don't have the opportunity to kind of you know to build those social connections with individuals. So what tends to happen is that a lot of women and a lot of women of colour in their own unconsciousness, have this ability where they, we call it like a group think. So I don't know if you've heard of that. So a group think mm-hmm. is where you try really hard to fit into an existing culture by mimicking others. You hold back your thoughts and your opinions, and which does result result in a loss of identity mm-hmm. and creativity and innovation, right? So you try and mould yourself to kind of fit in with what they think you should look like or you should behave like or what you should enjoy doing. So you have, you know, and... What happens with those situations is that eventually you won't make the impact that you think you're going to make because just those individuals who have that unconscious bias will still see you as different to them, even though you're adapting yourself to fit into what they want. And I used to joke about it. I used to call myself the communications chameleon. And I used to be like, oh, I'm the comms chameleon because I can adapt to whatever whatever people need me to be. And I realized, you know, a a few years ago that what, what am I doing? Like... 
that's not a good thing for me to adjust my personality to fit into the majority that I'm working with. And, and I, I remember being quite proud of the fact that I was a comms chameleon. And, you know, as I was, I was doing more research into women of colour and leadership, I realised that that was an unconscious bias of my for me, uh, where mm-hmm. I was I was adapting myself to fit into what I believed uh, people wanted me to be like. So the first thing is there is a strong need to belong. And because yeah. there's a strong need for love and belonging, people or women of color tend to adapt a lot that finally we don't harness the power of diversity anymore because we hire people of, of diverse backgrounds. And if everybody's going to try and belong and become the same way, then we're really not harnessing the power of diversity. No, we're not. And this is a problem. So you may have an amazing recruitment policy. Your chief executive and your leadership team may talk about diversity and we're very keen to change the way we work. But look at, you know, once you bring these people into your business, how are you doing to make them feel accepted and belong without them having to adapt who they are? And this is the reason why so many people of colour leave an organisation before they kind of get to the senior leadership positions or they are forced to leave because they just feel like they they can't be who they want to be because they're, they're not being recognised for who they are. And it's, you know, you hit the nail on the head there, deeper in terms of belonging. Everybody wants to belong, right? Everybody wants to be liked to an extent and everybody wants to kind of have friendships because you spend so much time doing work and working in the place or, you know, whatever, that you want people to, you know, to get along with you and connect with you. And and it's those connections that will help you develop in your career. And if you don't have that, that's when you kind of struggle and feel like you can't belong. And I think a lot of women, and especially a lot of women of colour, get attacked one way or another. So either you're not aligning to what they need you to be or you're you're acting out, Right. So a lot of black women are stereotyped, for example, for being aggressive or being very loud and very in, in your face. That's the stereotype and that's unconscious bias. And Asian women are classed as being submissive of quiet and head down and very quietly spoken. And, you know, and, and as soon as you kind of go against those things, mm-hmm. people are surprised and they're like, oh, my God, like she's really aggressive or she's really ballsy or she's really this. Uh, and it can really mess with their own unconsciousness, which is why some people have this kind of conflict in a, in a workplace as well. I wish I had heard this podcast and this little piece of advice from you 10 years ago when I moved to France and when I was desperately trying to adapt. And somehow I was actually unconsciously leaving away my own culture and adapting so much. And I have this image of like crossing over the bridge and going over to the other side. And like you said, the chameleon, right? Completely adapting that I lost some connections. I lost my own way of being, which was me actually. And then it took me a few more years to actually come back and come and find a middle ground for myself and say, no, there is a part of me that is French and there is a part of me that's Indian and I want to be able to blend and mix both of them. I really wish I'd heard your advice like 10 years ago. <laughs> me too. Me too. Trust me. I was exactly the same. I, Like I said to you, comms chameleon, adapted. I didn't want to be known as being an Indian woman. You know, I wanted to be British. I wanted to be English. You know, I didn't want to recognize. I used to shy away from having conversations about the color of my skin. Uh, I was always kind of like, you know, talk, mimicking people like people like me, you know, in, in a way so I could fit in so people didn't feel uncomfortable. So I went out, my, out, out of my way to make other people feel comfortable. So I, I adjusted who I was, right? So I never spoke about my Hindu culture. I never spoke about my 
Diwali. You know, I, I, I always spoke about Christmas and I always spoke about Easter. Uh, I never talked about the different types of religions we have in our culture. I never spoke about any of that because I was embarrassed, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I was ashamed. I didn't want anyone to have any excuse for not connecting with me. You know, I didn't want anyone to say that I don't want to connect with Advita because she's different and she doesn't celebrate what I celebrate. She doesn't believe in what I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I adjusted myself and you lose your identity when you do that. And it's really, really kind of, you know, mentally it can be have a massive impact in who you are as a person. Exactly. And so what actually is the hardest thing about this? Like, what was that tipping point for you that actually made you commit to this journey? Because today this is what you work on. Like, what was that incident that actually made you say that this is it and this is why I want to support people of women of color? To be honest, I was tired. I was tired. I was fed up. I was exhausted of putting all the hours that were given to me to prove my worth. I, I was the one that was left in the office till seven, eight o'clock at night. You know, I worked weekends, I grafted, I did everything that was asked of me. I went above and beyond. Yet I felt like I still wasn't being recognised for that. And there's one kind of story that really resonates with me with a friend that I used to work with. And I want to call her Sam for the purpose of this podcast. That wasn't her real name, but I want to respect her, her, her kind of identity. But She was this amazing black communicator who I worked with and a fantastic woman who faced a lot of microaggressions in her in her work. And I didn't recognize them as microaggressions at the time because I was kind of being left alone. Right. I was a happy medium for a lot of the people I worked with, whereas Sam was very vibrant and, you know, very confident in who she was. But she just came back from breast cancer surgery. And she lost that little bit of confidence and the way she was treated in that organisation was, you know, appalling. And one incident that will always stay with me is when she asked for a, a chair to help her perform, you know, work better because of her, her surgery. The, the wish was granted, you know, people said, yeah, that's fine for you to have that. But after she left the room, one of the directors made a comment and said, well, I hope that now means that she'll just do, you know, do good work. And I just thought, whoa, like, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound very supportive. But yeah, my I didn't feel like I could speak up because I, I was fearful of rocking the boat. And like many of us are, right? You don't want to rock the boat. People are respecting yeah. you. People are talking to you in a nice way, you know, and you're being treated okay. So why why would you want to kind of rock that boat? And at the time, I didn't recognize that. And it was only after, as I was leaving and we're doing a handover, she said, oh, you know, Advita, you know, as me being a black woman and, and you being Asian, we will always have to work harder than our white colleagues and friends because that's just the way that's just the way it is sadly and that kind of stuck with me and then when I left I uh, misdialed her number by mistake and she picked up and and she explained the kind of challenges that she'd had in the last few months because what what was happening is that she relapsed and she was going off on a load of appointments but yet the organization was being a bit unkind about that but she didn't know what the situation was but it turned out that she relapsed and she had to go off sick again her final few months in that organization were not great, right? People were not treating her with respect or, or recognizing that she was unwell. And they had this unconscious bias that, or even conscious bias that, that she was lazy and she was taking advantage of her situation. And it was really sad to hear that. And it was only a couple of weeks after that conversation, she sadly passed away. And, and that really hit me hard at the time because I was like, oh my God, like her last final few months on this planet was with aggravation and 
belief that she wasn't ever good enough to make an impact. And that for me was a turning point, I have to say. Uh, And I slowly started to look at my behavior and who I was as a person and why I didn't jump in when I felt that someone was being treated unfairly and why I wasn't picking up on on the banter, as they say, in the office space, you know, when someone's being derogatory towards somebody because of a protected characteristic. So either you're a woman or sexuality or disability, you know, and, and people kind of cover it off under banter, like, oh, it's only a laugh. It's only a joke. I don't know why you're taking it so seriously. But having the confidence to do that, you know, takes a lot. And that's what I've been kind of working on. And I was just exhausted. And I just think, why should we have to put up with that? And why should someone like Sam have to end her kind of final months on this planet believing that she was never, ever good enough for the place that she worked in? And that's that's a sad thing, right? It is. It is very sad. And I bet there are many other stories like Sam's. And it's very sad Maybe this is like a hard story, but there are very smaller ones that just slip by, that just pass by. And like you said, right, I wish I'd spoken up. Thank you for the consciousness. And today I know, I bet you and I know that if something like that happens, if we ever see something like that, even something smaller of a much smaller degree, that you and I will speak up. And this is what we want for our audience is like, to not sit in the position of privilege. Sometimes we're in this position of privilege. Privilege is not about having uh, richness or having money or having position, but it's that this is something that doesn't impact me. And therefore, I don't need to raise my voice or I don't need to speak up about it. But I think uh, we can't sit anymore in that position of privilege, but we need to speak up. And if we believe in creating inclusiveness, speak up for other people when that happens. Totally. And this is the reason why I am focusing so much of my energy on women of colour in, in specifically, because I want to help them build their confidence and their, and, and not even confidence, because I have to admit deeper, you know, most of these women are, are really confident, you know, they're, they're capable and confident and they believe in, in who they are. But what's happening is that their identity is being lost, right? And they don't know whether they can speak up. And because you because you think, oh, am I rocking the boat here? Or you like exactly what you just said there, you know, it's not really impacting me. So should I have to say anything in this position? And it is about actually, yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what advice would you give? Like there are two parts here. Like what advice would you give to women of color? And what advice would you give to someone who watches something like this happen? So for the the advice I would give to women of colour who are struggling at the moment is believe in your self-worth, right? Believe that you are allowed to have an identity and you're allowed to be who you want to be. And don't, and it's easy for me to say this over a podcast like this and, you know, sitting sitting here, but you need to really work on that because if you don't believe in your own self-worth and you don't believe in who you are, then nobody else will, right? So if you don't speak up and say, actually, no, I, I celebrate Diwali or I celebrate Eid or, you know, I, I don't believe in Christianity or whatever your kind of belief is, then you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to have an opinion. You know, you don't need to fit into this group think, you know, bias or where you have to mimic what's happening in your culture. I'm not saying, you know, be unkind or, or mean. Nobody would ever do that, to be fair. But just just be who you need to be, right? Be authentic to yourself. And, and to those who are wondering on how they can help and what they can do to support this is exactly what you said before. Step up and step out. 
and speak up because it shouldn't have to be the person who is dealing with that unconscious kind of stereotype. You know, it's it's tiring to keep having to protect yourself. Having an ally to, to support you is equally important, right? So if you feel like some, you know, if you're a man who's listening onto this podcast and you feel like your work colleagues are having banter or making jokes about women in the workplace and you you have a right to step up and go actually don't guys that's not funny like I'm not that's not funny and it's it's really not right and and same if, if somebody's making a joke about a culture or a religion or someone's sexuality we need people we need allies to step up and and support and be active allies not just someone who can sit there and go well, I'm not a racist. I'm not a sexist, you know. So, but I don't, I don't do it. I've got, you know, I've got women friends. I've got black friends, and that's just not on. You need to actively say, like, this isn't on, guys. I'm not going to put up with this. And even when it comes to like social media posts and things like that, it's, it's taking your friends aside and saying that that isn't on what you just said. Fantastic. Well, if everybody starts to do that, I'm sure, like, we'll see much better workplaces, we'll see much better collaborative uh, spaces where we all feel equal and there's inclusion on an equal platform. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> we, can, we can only hope, deeper. <laughs> exactly. We can only hope and we can only dream big. So for yes. those of you who want to know a little bit more about like, do I need a purpose? How do I go about setting a purpose? Listen to episode number 61 by Mark LaRousse, where he talks about why everyone needs a purpose. And yes, we need more allies and lots more allies to build a better world. Thank you so much, Advita, for coming on here. And if people want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? So they can follow me on Twitter under my username, which is Advita underscore P, or they can follow uh, a leader like me as well. All right. Okay. And I'll put links to Adita's website so you can go and check out the work that she does. And thank you so much, Adita. And before we close the episode, would you like to share one parting message with the audience? Be kind. <laughs> she just nailed it there. Be kind, be kind with the world outside. And most of all, be kind with yourself. So thank you so much for listening. And if you like the episode, do go hit the like button on iTunes. And I look forward to talking to you again in two weeks time. And until then, stay cool. <laughs>